Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts of Glory podcast. I'm Dave Ebert. So excited to have you along with us. Whether you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, or you're joining us on the Creative Motion Network, or on the Taken TV um, podcast channel, or maybe you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, thanks so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you along with us, and I'm really excited to share this story uh, tonight uh, with, with our guest. Um, before we dive into that, I want to remind you that uh, the um, the God Give Us Laughter Tour is continuing with uh, Well-Versed Comedy. Our next show is July 23rd in Lombard, Illinois. Uh, you can find out more details on our Facebook page at Well-Versed CMDY. That's at Well-Versed CMDY. Uh, in uh, this uh, July 23rd show, it's completely free. Come on, bring your family, your friends, uh, the entire office, uh, your, your church, your youth, small group. Whatever you uh, group you're a part of, or if you just want to come out by yourself or uh, for a date night, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're playing improv roulette, which is a double blind way to uh, do improv. We're going to spin the wheel and choose a category, and then blindly choose a card from that category, and then we're going to improvise based on that. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's for the whole family, whether you're two months or 102,000 months. I don't know how much uh, that is uh, math wise. Uh, but uh, we want to see you uh, if you're in the Lombard, uh, Chicago area, coming out for a great night of comedy. And if you are also in the uh, Chicagoland area, contact us here at uh, Gifts of Glory and Wellverse Comedy. We'd love to bring comedy to you uh, for a fundraiser, for a uh, outreach, or for a, a night to just show appreciation to your volunteers and your staff. Uh, get in contact with us at uh, wellversecomedy.com or again on our Facebook page at Wellverse CMDY. So with that, let's uh, dive into our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, tonight we're going to be reading from the uh, uh, book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And this is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Too often within the church, we hide behind that, that verse, uh, Matthew 7, 1. Um, you know, we shouldn't judge. Judge not lest you be judged. Uh, it, it's not our place to judge. To an extent, but within the church, it's our job to protect the church. It's our job to have a zeal for God's house, to protect it from evil encroaching, and to be able to not exalt ourselves to call down on somebody that's sinning, but to protect the body, to protect uh, young uh, Christians from stumbling, but also to bring about repentance and, and the, uh, the eternal salvation of the person that's in sin within the body, uh, to protect them from themselves. So it is our job to judge in order to protect the house of God, in order to protect others from being hurt by sin. So when somebody throws Matthew 7, 1 at you to tell you not to judge, it may not be your place to judge outsiders, like Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians. But it is our judge to protect the house of the Lord, to protect the body of Christ 
from those that are trying to come in and bring sin and bring in that, that little bit of yeast that spoils the loaf. We don't want that in the body of Christ. We don't want that in our church. So it is our job to judge and judge what is, what is good fruit, what is bad fruit, and remove that bad fruit from our bodies, uh, from the body of our church to protect the young believers, to protect the church, to protect the ministry, the, the, um, the testimony of the church. So uh, that, I just want to read that as an encouragement. First uh, Corinthians 5, 12 uh, and 13. It isn't my responsibility to judge others. Uh, I'm sorry. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But Paul says, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So that is our devotion with Dave segment for tonight. Just uh, an encouragement that uh, too often we hide behind the wrong interpretation of scripture and we kind of miss the mark on that. So uh, let's bring in our guest at this time. Uh, uh, Carrie uh, Cardinale uh, Shop. She uh, is an author, a worship leader, a speaker, and a radio host. Uh, her journey is uh, a life committed to Jesus, but was filled with times where she was being uh, her own God. Uh, and that, that's a quote taken from her website. But at the same time, she was being her own God. She was secretly seeking the God that she'd known as a child. And we're going to hear her story, the story of her song and book, Swing Wide, and also her struggles with identity outside of Christ. Uh, so let's uh, bring at this time uh, our guest, uh, uh, Carrie. Uh, Carrie, welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast. How are Thank you doing? Thank you so much. Thank you. Doing good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, just overcoming a little bit of a cold, so I had to pop in a halls to make through, but uh, we'll yep. be good. It's allergy sinus cold season. <laughs> you know, colds, they still happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah they do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I read your, your bio there, and it's your bio is kind of almost a little outdated because you're kind of in a new season. Yes. Uh, with your, your move and everything going on. Uh, so, uh, first... Uh, Tell us about yourself, about um, what you're doing now, and uh, what God has been doing with you the last couple of years during the uh, pandemic. Yeah, uh, I we did recently move. Uh, I am from Buffalo, New York. Um, we moved uh, east to the Finger Lakes, if anyone's familiar with that, Canandaigua Lake. Uh, my husband got a job out this direction, so um, we moved, uprooted and moved, and so it's been quite a few years. I, uh, I know we'll go into my story in a little bit, but I was single for a long time and, you know, of course, prayed and prayed and prayed through the singleness, never expected him to answer. <laughs> uh, and then I met my husband, Phil, when I was 40 and, uh, yeah, we got married, uh, was I 41? I think 41. Yeah. Or I don't know. There are all the dates are mixed up. I was in my early forties and then uh, we got married a year and a half later. And, and then six months after that, I found out I was pregnant and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> in the meantime, uh, I did re uh, release a book, a published book and called swing wide. And, um, yeah. So everybody was back on their couches and I was raising a child, you know, and, and learning how to be a wife, something that I desperately always wanted. Um, I don't think anyone's ever really prepared for marriage and right. 
when you're older and, you know, two older souls coming together and, you know, certain areas clashing, but nothing crazy, you know, just the typical who cleans what. Right, right. <laughs> the top five issues, you know. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, everything's, he's wonderful. He's a wonderful, godly man. And, uh, and then also learning how to be a mom, you know, at the same time, you know, having to release a lot of my uh, aspirations that um, I had planned, a lot of my, you know, the goals that I had, you know, with leading worship and uh, and traveling and speaking and on, on behalf of, you know, what the Lord called me to do. And that was to share my testimony, uh, which led me to write the book because so many people were asking for it. And so, um, yeah. And so now I'm in a season of, okay, Lord, you know, that's obviously still part of my, it's my story, but mm-hmm. I definitely know he is writing a new one in me. And so much has happened in the last couple of years. Beautiful, beautiful blessings. And um, also at the, towards the end of the pandemic, last November, November of uh, 2020, my uh, sister, who's a year and a half older than me, she's 46, mm-hmm. but late 46, um, was diagnosed with uh, severe uh, stage four lung cancer that also mm-hmm. developed into leptomeningeal, which is cancer in the spinal fluid. Um, and it was just a devastating year and a half and she just passed recently. And so that also played into a role, but, uh, it's, it's interesting how, you know, God could take you from a big stage to the smallness of a bedroom to sit with your sister and talk about Jesus and watch her and his relationship come alive. And to me, it's like, that was probably the most, another blessing, you know, like all these blessings after blessings the last couple of years. And um, at the same time, you know, tragedy and also tragedy with the pandemic and, you know, losing jobs and losing dreams and aspirations and, but still trusting that God, you know, he has the plan because he has, but you know, he still has a plan. (laughs) And, And it's, it's kind of, it's bittersweet that the pandemic happens and your, your life is kind of completely shifted, turned on its ear in many ways. But had it not been for the pandemic and, and the, the changes in your life, your schedule might not have allowed you to spend those last moments with your sister. Right. Or even um, connecting with my new husband to become, you know, a couple, but also a parents, you know, and. I was a very independent woman for years. I was very self-sufficient. I handled my stuff. I made my own money. (laughs) And, um, you know, pandemic hits. I'm not bringing in income. And now I'm a stay-at-home mom. And it's like, whoo. (laughs) So, you know, the Lord, he did. He stripped a lot of things away, which is good. You know, I don't know what's to come of it, but if I didn't sit on my couch and forced to stay at home, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I would have been able to enter motherhood because that prepared me to be at home, to be focused on one thing and one thing only. And that's my daughter. You know, I waited a long time. I had her at 43 and, uh, you know, I don't want to give her to anybody else. I want right. to be home with her and I want to raise her, you know, and raise her well. Yeah. Especially with the way the world is, you, there's, as my wife and I, we're, we want kids. So we're, 
Um, and it's like, we don't want anybody other than us and our church to educate our kids because right. you don't know what they're going to be fed because the schools don't want the parents to know. Oh, I know I'm going to have to homeschool. Like, and that's the next thing I'm going to have to battle. <laughs> <laughs> but she's number one. Yeah. And so she's more important than anything in my life. I mean, I feel like I've lived a long life so far. I mean, to where, you know, I, I feel like I've switched with all my friends. So all my friends had their kids when they were younger. You know, I ended up getting married and having a child in my mid forties. And so they're all off doing their thing. So when I was single, they were envious of, you know, the fact that I can go to a coffee shop and write and drink coffee. And they're like, I do anything. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you have a husband and you have kids that love you that you would never trade that. Like, you know, they're like, no, I know. And now I'm like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go have a couple. But it's, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's my season. So I, at the top of the, the show, I was talking about our improv ministry, Wellverse Comedy. And we have a member on the team that had her first child when she was 40 and then had a second one when she was 42. And the um, the doctors refer to her as a geriatric pregnancy. Did you hear yep. that term? I sure did. And my husband loved reminding me that it was a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I understand why. I mean, I had a lot of complications. Mm-hmm. And um, my doctor told me, you know, it's, there's truth behind, you know, older pregnancies. And, oh, excuse me. Um there's truth behind older pregnancies and, and, you know, you know, I had like perfect storm situations happen where, you know, I ended up having Anna seven weeks early. I developed mm. severe pre- preeclampsia. And so I was in the hospital a week after I was nice to you. And, you know, it just, um, you know, it, uh, it makes you realize it, it doesn't matter. I mean, God still made it happen and she's yeah. this bubbly little chunky little thing now and she's growing and she's well, she's very, very healthy. Um, but yeah, I was a geriatric pregnant. <laughs> I, I, I understand the term, but I, it is, it is hilarious because uh, the way Nikki phrases it is because she does stand up as well. So she talks about how she gave birth to her own grandchild. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, my husband, he's all gray, gray, yeah. you know, salt and pepper, salt and pepper beard. And he jokes about how, you know, he has a geriatric uh, wife and that kids, people are going to walk by when he's, holding my daughter's our daughter's hand in the park saying how cute look at grandpa with little granddaughter <laughs> <laughs> he's like eh, it's okay <laughs> that is funny though so Tom, uh you've also released a uh, uh, one album right um, yes yeah. which is based on, on your uh, was the book first or the music first the music was first uh I've always wanted to, and then I I did. I felt like the Lord was prompting me to get tools, to have some tools in my belt, my spiritual belt. And um, I connected with a group of guys that I knew that they were also a worship um, group, and they opened up a studio, and so they were helping people, you know, make albums. And um, I I ended up raising, I mean, it cost a lot of money, and I ended up raising it, which was really great. That was definitely all of God handling that. And, um, and, you know, we co-wrote all the songs and we would sit down and talk about, you know, um, 
something I would want to sing about, you know, and uh, like a time in my life or, you know, a phrase that has always been on my heart. And like, that's how Swing Wide ended up coming about because I'm talking about how, you know, he really did when Jesus revealed himself to me uh, back in 2009, um, it was the doors were just, they just swung wide open and it was just like all the moment he did, it was like, this is it. Like, I just want to give you my all. It, it's all for you because you just, the, the love is so powerful. And so um did the album and then I knew a book was in the future somewhere, but I didn't want to write it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went back and forth for about five years. I think I would, a friend of mine had a writing room. And so I would go to her house for the you know weekends at a time and just sit in her writing room and write. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And then I would put it away and, you know, you go through those thoughts if you're somebody that wants to write or whatever, you're creative. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like nobody wants to hear my story. Like this is just bury it. doesn't matter, you know, um, until I was uh, leading worship for a women's ministry and she's an author and her publisher approached me and said, you know, I'd like to talk to you about publishing a book. And we talked about it. We signed a contract and I had a timeline Wow. And if I didn't have a timeline that was a financial timeline. I probably would have never finished it, but I got it done and I had to sit down and really, really pull, pull, you know, my memories and my heart and, and spend a lot of time with the Lord on, you know, look at you are doing this. So what do you want to say? And how do you want to say it? you're using me as a vehicle? I'm going to have a different voice than other authors. Um, I'm not looking to copy another author. I just, you know, so my book is very raw and it's, you know, it's real. It's authentic. It's my voice. A lot of people that would read it, they're like, it sounds like you, like, it sounds like I'm hearing you talking <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, thank the Lord for editors because <laughs> I was horrible in English. In fact, I was horrible in school in general. My husband gave me a whole history lesson on the wars that has happened in our, in our, in our lifetime from revolutionary to the Gulf war. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not know these things? I'm like, I did not pay attention in history class. And then when am I also going to learn it? <laughs> right. But uh, now I'm just fascinated and I want to learn more about it. But um, yeah, so so the music was first and then the book came and the whole purpose, well, I believe his purpose behind that was to have the two go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. I started um, getting booked to go to churches and we would lead worship. And then um, I would give... Uh, a message, deliver a message. And a lot of times afterward, I would have uh, a private group with people that would want to just ask deeper questions and especially about the topic of sexual identity. Mm-hmm. So for our, uh, for our viewers who are watching the video, uh, this is the, uh, the cover of the book. Uh, it's uh, swing wide. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, but if you'd like to support our guest, uh, uh, contact her through her website and uh, purchase it directly from her because she's got a stockpile that was meant to be sold on speaking engagements and then the pandemic hit and now she's got a bunch of books that, that could really help uh, support her and, and the new baby and, and the family because they're now in a new strange land uh, <laughs> in the five lakes. So, uh, right. um, so that website is, uh, is your first and last, uh, your first and last maiden name before, uh, before you got married. And that's at uh, um, uh, carriecardinale.com. 
Yep. And if for some reason, you know, they can't get through on there, you know, just find me on Facebook and I'll give you a deal. So I'll mail it right to you and we'll take care of it. (laughs) I'll also send you an album for free with the book. So (laughs) that's one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and you can find her on Facebook at uh, Carrie Cardinale uh, Ministries. Uh, that'll also be in our show notes, so you can find the link directly there. Uh, so, Carrie, I want to dive in. Uh, you mentioned it uh, uh, kind of at the end of, of talking about your book, uh, but talking about identity. Um, so tell us your story. How did you – know, I know that you've, you in your bio you talk about uh, talked about finding Jesus at a very young age, but uh, you kind of – it seems like your story kind of – drifted away and then you you had a big revelation to come back. Um, So tell us your story. How did you find the Lord initially and how did you find your way back to him? So I was, I was raised Catholic and um, I always had a sense of something, a higher being. And the one day I just, I had all these questions. So I went to the priest and I said, you know, I don't understand why we do this, why we do that. So he said, well, I, I, I can't answer those for you, but I'm going to encourage you to go to a service in the basement of the church on Tuesday nights. So I was 15, I think, at the time. So I went by myself, and it was all older people, of course, 40s, in their 40s at the time. <laughs> um, and it turns out it was a, a charismatic Catholic service. Oh, wow. Which I didn't knew I didn't even know what that was didn't matter I just walked in and people were speaking in tongues and had their hands raised and and this is in the basement of a catholic church and they're singing worship songs and the the priest the message he delivered was just it was beautiful and so I went back every week and I I fell in love with Jesus and I just I remember daydreaming about him and you know in class and um, I went to an all-girl private Catholic school. And so I would sit in the lunchroom and just talk to the girls about Jesus. I would read the Bible and be like, listen, can you even believe this? Like, this is so cool. And, and, and um, I, even my friend to this day, she's like, gosh, I remember you'd always read the Bible and I'd be eating my cereal and being like <laughs> sort of intrigued. And, and so, you know, through that, <clears throat> I just, I loved him. I mean, he was, all I wanted was to be close to Jesus I didn't know anything about ministry or anything like that, um, but I didn't learn enough. And so I met my first boyfriend and um, we started dating. He was a Protestant, which again, at that time, I didn't know the difference. I just knew it was a different church. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately we ended up engaging in premarital sex, which is something that I didn't want to do. And he didn't force me, but it, you know, I just, I agreed I wouldn't do that. And then I did. And I go into detail in that, my book about how I did, it was almost like Adam and Eve. You know, I felt like the moment it happened, I felt like the shame come over me and like this dark cloud that I think just suffocated me for years after that happened. I, I did. I remember I couldn't really face the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, I went back to church and at that time I brought friends with me. So a lot of my friends were coming to church with me and, the one girl sat down and I couldn't stop crying. And I ran to the bathroom. She's like, why, what is wrong? And I'm like, I can't even like look up. Like I can't look up. And um, I, you know, I had sex with, with, you know, my boyfriend and, and that was it. It it was just, I couldn't, the veil was formed. And um, from that, I went on and just completely, you know, distanced myself. Um, Through that process, I ended up, meeting a a girl in high school that was a lesbian 
and she was, was, she was, she was pursuing me without me knowing it. I didn't know. I just, I knew that she was like, um, she was the cool girl. And so I wanted to hang out with her. I wanted her to be my friend. And, um, we got really, really close and long story short, um, we ended up having sexual relations and that led me through college. And by the time I got to college, I was completely drifted away from the Lord and, uh, engaged on both ends, men, women, um, cheating and just Mm. a mess and very, very lost. Uh, after that moved away, I was pursuing music actually. (laughs) Um, I wanted to be a singer and I remember saying, I'm like, I mean, I was a Christian. I could be like a lesbian Christian. I remember, I remember seeing a magazine in California and thinking I, I could be the first like lesbian Christian singer. And I, so I still identified it as a Christian, but I obviously wasn't living that way. Anyway, nothing ever happened out there. I mean, I tried, but um, I ended up coming back to Buffalo, uh, moving past more years. And I went to see, I joined a group and they're wonderful people, but a very cultish. And uh, they, it was a um, Buddhist they practice a lot of Native American traditions and uh, Buddhist traditions. And I joined their group and I would go every month and do these, you know, cleansing fast and silent retreats and meditation retreats and sweat lodges and praying to rocks and crystals. And I got into all that stuff. I was studying to be a psychic and I became a Reiki practitioner and I was healing people through energy and it's just funny how I talk about it now. It's like very distant in my life now, but I mean, it was very real at the time, but I have to say the whole reason why I was doing that is I was searching for what I had when I was younger. I couldn't find it anywhere. And so this was definitely uh, a close, as close of an encounter that I could find uh, now knowing that it was counterfeit, you know, it was right. definitely counterfeit. And um, the occult is very, very real. It's very, it's very similar. And that's why I think it's easy for people to fall into that. But um, I, I met a woman through that and I, you know, I told her I was just really depressed. And I remember one time I was at a silent retreat and couldn't talk obviously. And so we would meditate by doing walking meditations and in their meditation room, they had pictures of different religious and spiritual leaders. So Jesus was one that was framed. And I developed a mantra in my mind as I was doing this walking meditation that, you know, um, it's okay to believe in Buddha. It's okay to, like I was telling myself it was okay. And every single time I would get to it at the end, I would say, and it's okay to believe in Jesus. And I would start crying. I remember that I would cry. And now I know I was, I think I was, I was forcing myself to deny something that was, you know, in my heart. Um, Anyway, so I met with this uh, doctor, nurse practitioner, and I said, you know, I'm just, um, I'm, oh, wait, I don't want to skip this part. Um, I ended up meeting a girl in college, and we developed an intimate relationship and, you know, became partners for over 10 years. We moved away together, and um, we um, were engaged and I remember the moment she proposed to me, we were in Niagara Falls. Um, I knew something was wrong. And because uh, I, I, I lived the life of homosexuality, but 
it was like, I only lived about like 98%. Like I could never fully in mm. my heart give over to it until a ring went on my finger. And it was like, wait a minute. But I, I couldn't get out. Like I just was, I was really emotionally and spiritually locked into that. And I remember calling out to God saying, I need your help. Mm. That And um, we started arguing a lot. She turned out she liked somebody else and uh, we broke up and um, it got ugly and messy. And, um, and I was really, really depressed. And I met, I went to see this nurse practitioner and um, she asked me, you know, what do I want to do with my life? I said, I, you know, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't know mm. what I am. I don't know what I want. I, I said, I've always wanted to be a Christian singer and but I'm not really practicing anything. You know, I just, I don't even know what it is anymore. And she said, well, you should check out this church. Um, they have a really nice music. And I was like, okay. So the following week I was really intrigued. I went by myself and that was it. <laughs> I went back and um, the choir was singing and it was just so powerful. It pulled me out of my seat. And I thought, you know, I really just want to be part of that. And so I auditioned and joined choir. I said, I'm just going to get the rust off my vocal cords. I don't, I don't want to meet anybody. Like these are the weird church people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I, you know, I just, I don't, it's okay. I just want to be here and just sing, you know? So through that, uh, they prayed about it and they, after they heard my audition, they said, you know, we have a song that we'd like for you to sing. We need you to sing it. It's really, you're meant to sing it. And it was big gospel song. And I'm like, I can't do this. And, uh, but I, I said, sure, I'll do it. And it was the first time I experienced inauthenticity <laughs> in myself where I was rehearsing the song and I'm like, this woman has something that I don't have. I don't even, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, I was mm-hmm. obviously hearing her anointing, but I didn't know what that was at the time. And, and in the car that day, I said, I can't do this. I just, I'm, they're going to see right through me. And I just kept saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And finally out of my mouth, I said, I can't do this without you. And that was mm-hmm. the moment that Jesus revealed himself to me. And that's where in the song Swing Wide, I talk about, you know, uh, that's why my album is titled Unveiled because he came in and he truly did unveil. And, that, and I was a smoker at the time. I mean, it was done. That was the day. Smoking was out of my life. And I sat in my car and just talked to him like I talked to him when I was 16 years old. And um, that was it. I joined everything I could, every ministry I could find, um, singles ministry, women's ministry, music ministry, whatever, anything I get my hands on. You know, I just wanted to learn. And I learned so much even in the singles ministry. I learned uh, he was doing a, a series called Blueprints of a Christian. Mm. And I, I learned how to be a Christian woman. You know, I remember thinking, you know, oh, okay, you don't do those things. Okay. You know, and I just, I wasn't there to meet anybody. I just wanted to learn how to be a Christian. Yeah. And, um, and that was the start. It was 2009, October. Um, by April, a gentleman that I served with in the music ministry, we had a conversation. I was working for a doctor. He said he was a uh, manager of a radio station. I said, oh, that's funny. I said, I I, uh, I interned at a country radio station in college. She said, no, what did you go to school for? I said, communications. He said, did you 
finish? I said, yeah, I have a degree. I've never used it, but I have a degree <laughs> in communications. And um, I said, wow. And so I never knew what the station was. It was WDCX out of Buffalo, Christian radio station. So a couple weeks later, he emailed me and asked if I'd be interested in a career in radio. Hmm. And he said, how are you at writing? I said, terrible. He said, how are you at sales? I said, even worse. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I could, I could train you how to write. And so he hired me as a writer. And I was there for nine years and um, ended up on air. Uh, I hosted our worship show from one to three every day. And um, I learned so much through, you know, the station there. And, and also I was part of the chapel. That was the church, um, the music ministry that, you know, that's, that's where my relationship formed, you know, a second time around with the Lord. And then I got baptized and, um, you know, I did all the things and, but, they were real, you know, everything is real. And so uh, the last issue was singleness. <laughs> so that's sort of the gist of my story. I mean, we can go deeper, you know, I just, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I didn't turn away from homosexuality for Jesus. I, I just stopped everything. Mm-hmm. So I recognized that I didn't know, who I was, what I wanted. And, um, I, I knew I couldn't figure it out myself. And so, um, I didn't even real, I didn't, I, not that I didn't realize, but I didn't, um, I guess acknowledge that it was sin until months later, probably in two, middle of 2010, I was sitting in, uh, the service and he was, our pastor was doing a series on, it's called elephants in the church. And he would do, you know, different topics, women in the church, you know, all these different things. Well, one was um, homosexuality mm-hmm. and he walked through it and he walked through the scriptures and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I, oh my gosh, I cannot, that's why, that's why I couldn't see you. That's why. And um, and I understood at that moment, and and it's you know you know once you hear your truth, it's like it's a light bulb, and you can't turn it off. You know, right. so no matter what anybody says to me, I'm like, look at you don't want to believe it, it's fine, but I'm telling you, I could not see him because I turned my back, and I could say as much as I wanted to that I loved him, but I couldn't I couldn't connect. Um, and so I remember sitting down and writing out all my different sins, like, you know, everything that I committed <laughs> against him. And I was like, I was, you know, doing second work and, you know, praying to rocks and crystals. And I'm like, even that, you know, and, um, and I wrote it all down and I just basically handed it over to the Lord and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, I just want to do, I just want to live for you. Like, you know, I don't care about anything else. That's, that's all I care about. Um, and through that process, he healed me. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he didn't heal me, heal me by, you know, poking me in the head and saying, this is sin. You are no longer feeling this way about somebody. I had to put my head and my heart into the word and surround myself with all things Jesus. Yeah. And while I was learning about him and understanding God's character, he was transforming me. And I came out of it thinking, wow, I don't even, it was like smoking. I'm like, I remember I had a pack of cigarettes in my uh, glove compartment the day that I experienced that in my car. Yeah. And I found them months later. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, 
I don't smoke anymore. <laughs> wow, you know, and um, and of course, I have areas in my life still that you know he's just not chipping away at. <laughs> like whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. <laughs> but um, but you know he he did he transformed me, and I I you know I, I, I people would say things I'm like wow I don't believe that anymore, or mm. I finally understood why I demanded so much respect from men. Like that was a big issue for me. I hated men. Um, and I realized after studying in the Bible about, you know, men love your wives, wives respect your husbands. You know, I thought, all I actually really want is love. Like I don't really want the respect. It's not the respect that I want. I just want to know that I'm loved. And so I demanded respect from other men because I wasn't you know, receiving the love that I really, really want. So now I know my husband brings me roses. It's like, that's all, I, that's all I want. I don't, I don't need his, I know he respects me because he loves me. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, so it's just interesting. The more you, the more you study, the more you read, the more you surround yourself, the more you see truth, you see it faster and it clicks faster. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. Like there are things I read and I'm like, I don't like this. This actually makes me very uncomfortable, um, you know, especially in the Old Testament. And I mean, I started off, I was a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm reading, I decided to read the Bible from the beginning to the end. And I read the message version because I was new and I thought, you know what? I want to read it like a story. And, um, you know, I got to the part where we're sacrificing animals and I'm like, how could you? How? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like this. And then I would go to the New Testament and I would read and I would be comforted by stories Mm -hmm. because God scared me. (laughs) Yeah. I I love your story. Um, So one question I'm interested to ask, and if it's too personal, uh, please tell me when you had that moment in your car, did that completely turn off all attraction and interest in, uh, in that lifestyle? Or was that something that took a little bit longer for you to process in and get away from? Uh, it took long of the process because I think when I had that moment in my car, like nothing, like nothing mattered. So like my personality didn't matter. My sexuality didn't matter. My, you know, relationship with other people didn't matter. All that mattered was me and my faith, like my relationship with Jesus, like that was all that mattered. And so I became so enamored by him that I wasn't even thinking about meeting anybody. I wasn't thinking about uh, affection or attraction or interest. Um, I actually started to realize it when I think it was Christmas time. I was shopping at when Pier One Imports was still open, mm-hmm. and I was looking for ornaments. And there was a worker in there, and so she came over to the trees where I was looking at all the ornaments and. She said, oh, you know, can I help you? And I said, oh, no, I'm all right. I'm just looking for ornaments for family members. And and there was just something I could sense. She said, you know, are you sure you don't need any help? And I just remember looking at her and seeing her eyes, and I knew that she had some sort of attraction. Like, I remember that feeling. I know what that's like when, you know, you're with someone and they, you know, there's something with the eyes locking. And I felt it. And I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't, um, I haven't experienced this, not on my end, but it was more of, 
it was coming at me and I had to think, wait a minute, is this something that I want or don't want? And I left and I got in the car and I sat there and I had a really, um, I had to walk through a lot of my feelings with the Lord. And, and I had a lot of friends too, that I, you know, would confide in and say, you know, I experienced this, but another big one actually it was the week. It was a Sunday that I learned about the sin of it at church. So I was invited to an old friend's birthday party and it was camping. So it was going to be a weekend long birthday event. And she, I, I was already in church. It was brand new church. You know, I was super excited about church and she knew I was the Christian girl. And, um, but it was going to be me and 40 other lesbians. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, but I was like, Oh, I don't care. I don't really like not doing anything. You know, I don't, I'm so beyond that right now. Um, I was like, of course I'm going to go, you know, I want to support her and whatever. And so at that time in choir, if you didn't go to rehearsal, then you couldn't sing on Sunday. Well, I didn't go to rehearsal because I thought I would be gone on Sunday. So I started having, uh, it was my first experience with, um, not intuition, um, discernment, sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the word discernment. Yeah. And I called a friend of mine and I said, I'm having a weird feeling. I, and I told her story. So I'm invited to this party. I said, but if I go, then I have to take my dog back to my ex's house who lives in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, so she could watch our dog that I ended up taking. Uh, I'm going to see her family, her friends be there and then go and be in this, you know, party with all these women. I said, but I don't know why, like something is like telling me to not go. And, and she said, that's discernment. I was like, what's discernment? Mm -hmm. And so, um, she encouraged me to pray about it and I decided to not go and I decided to go to church, but I wasn't in choir. So that was the day I was sitting in the service and received that message. And I believed that I needed to be sitting in that service, not just in the choir loft to hear that message, but that too, that was where I, so things would come up and I would have to decide, you know, um, and it wasn't like I was fighting it. It was just more of why. And then I, I went to therapy. I mean, I started seeing a Christian counselor and I was like, I need to understand how this came about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and listen, I get that there are people out there that do not have that type of transformation that might still have, you know, um, an attraction. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I still have issues with eating. Okay. <laughs> and there are things, you know, or anger, you know, that I know I'm not supposed to respond in a certain way. And as much as I'm angry or as much as I want to eat something that's really bad, I have to have discernment. Um, I have to choose. And sometimes I fail and sometimes I don't. And, you know, I believe no matter what sin it is that we're walking through, um, some people get transformed. Others still have to fight. There mm-hmm. are I know that have been transformed from things that I want to be transformed from and I'm still fighting. And I'm like, how? And it's, and then I hear people say, I don't know what just happened. And I'm like, it's impossible. And then I'm like, wait, it happened with me, but in a whole other area. <laughs> right. And that's a lot like uh, with depression. Like that's, that's my story is uh, depression and, and using comedy as a way to overcome it. In many ways, it was a, a light switch for me. Once I truly started to pursue the Lord and, but it, it was that, you know, 
salvation, but also working at the salvation because there are still times where it flares back up like an old scar will get tender again. Yep. And then, um, then there's others that they get healed from the depression and they never look back. Right. And I think it's all because God needs us to have that sensitivity for something. Yes. For someone, whereas like uh, somebody that's delivered right away, he's got something else for them where he, he allows us to still be tender to help, still have that thorn in the flesh so that we'd never forget. Yeah. And, you know, I believe that there are chain links to our past that even for me, you know, I had to go all the way back to see, well, where did this start? Like how, I don't believe I was born this way. Um, I mean, I used to, but obviously, you know, coming to the Lord and studying things, realizing I was not born that way, but I do believe I was born into a proclivity towards a specific sin. And I just happened to get hooked up into it. You know, um, there are others that are born into that of, you know, drug abuse or whatever, you name it, you know, um, mine happened to be sexual sin, whether that was homosexuality, pornography, all those I was in, involved in from a very young age. And so um, when it starts at a young age, you just develop into it and it's part of you. And so you learn to believe that that's who you are. I mean, I, you know, I remember thinking, you know, it's like if somebody said to me, you know, you, I was telling a girl this, who's like, I, you know, I, I want to be a man or whatever it was. And she said, <clears throat> I said, well, you know, it's sort of like if <clears throat> somebody said to me, you know, and I do I have big hands and I'm, I'm, I wish I was more feminine. You know, I, I mean, I, <laughs> that was how I knew, you know, Phil was for me. And I knew I gave God a list. I did. I actually did a list, but my list was like very different and um, certain things that nobody would know, you know, and um, he nailed all of them. But the one was, in, inside, I was like, God, I just, I want to be feminine. You know, I feel like I've always been rough around the edges because it was like a protective shield. And um, whether that's from my weight or my sexuality, and um, I just want to be delicate and feminine. And um, and so he used to call me, you know, like he would tell me that I was, you know, very, um, you know, delicate. And, and I'm like, really? <laughs> And so I, um, you know, but I wish that I, you know, was more of those things. Um, I just lost my train of thought while I was telling you that. Um, what were you saying? Sorry, I still have bomb brain. Oh, it's, no, uh, I was so enthralled. I forgot what my question was. Uh, uh, oh, you well, we were talking about, um, you know, how some things don't automatically go away. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I, I wish I could develop into more and, but, but in order for me to, I naturally became more feminine when I started understanding who I was in the mm -hmm. Lord. And so I, oh, I know. So I was saying, if somebody were saying to me, you have really big hands and you're very like masculine, um, you know, you have man hands. And if I were to believe, if I were to hear that over and over, no different than somebody who has a, a lisp or something like that. You know, um, you're tomboy. You know, you hear that over and over. You have big hands. You have big hands. Eventually, you're going to believe you have big hands. Mm -hmm. If you have big hands or man hands, if you have man hands, then I could see somebody saying, well, if I have man hands, then maybe I'm a man. Like maybe mm -hmm. I'm, there's something going on inside. And then all of a sudden, they go through and they, I don't know, have a transformation surgery and become a man. And then 30 years later, they're like, 
how did I become a man? Oh, because somebody told me I had man hands. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I think there's there's a chain link that can take us all the way to our past. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go back there. I don't like living my past, but I did have to go back there to understand because I am a type of person that I want to know how the heck did this happen to me? How did I how did I spend all those years living in that when I deep down inside, I didn't want to, I mean, on, on the outside, everybody knew I was proud and I was in the parades with the flags and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I was very angry about it. I was very in your face about it. I would argue with anyone about it. And, um, and you know, I, I I'm like, how, uh, it's really sad to me that a lot of that life was lived in that type of identity where, I just, I didn't know who I was. And so I think for me, my main message is that, you know, until you know what your true identity is, like, you can't, you know, the identity is in Christ. It's, Mm -hmm. it's who you are in your relationship with him. And then once that is solidified, you're almost like um, a brand new being. Then you can start seeing, oh, okay. I, I used to do things this way, but I don't want to do them that way anymore because I don't like the way I feel. Or uh, if I tell people when they say, well, they struggle with having sex before marriage or something like that. Um, I say, you know, look at, I, I didn't want to have it anymore. Even when I met Phil, I mean, obviously, you know, we're older, you know, people are going to say, I'm like, we're like, no, we're not. It's hard. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But I said, what's, what's stopping me is not that the Bible says so. It's not what's stopping me is, I know what the consequences were the last time I did it. Yeah. That's what stops me. I don't want to give myself to someone. Like my testimony is, is too strong for yeah. me. I, I, I'm proud. You know, I want our marriage to be, you know, of wisdom and, and love, like true love and truth and built on a solid rock. We both want that. So it's very important for us to protect that. It's not just, it's people saying they, you know, why can't I live with, um, you know, or why can't I watch pornography? Well, the more you watch it, the more you expect. And the Mm -hmm. more you expect, I mean, the further you go, it's just the further, the further you go. It's just, it's playing with fire. And so I feel the same way with any type of, you know, sin out there, but yes, you could do it. But the more you, you involve yourself, um, the further you go. And all of a sudden you're beyond the the mountains and it's like, where's, where is God? Right. Where is he? What happened? What did he, why did he leave me? You know? And I think I experienced that one too many times. And it's not that God leaves us. It's that we left him, but right. and yep. in all honesty, it to get back to him is just one step. One yep. step back. Yeah. You know, I, I was just mentioning how my sister, she um, recently passed of lung cancer and, um, but she was raised as I was Catholic, but she never engaged in her faith. And um, so for years she moved to New York city. She was, you know, high businesswoman, And um, that was her life and no intention of, you know, she was more of a universal person, mm-hmm. um, you know, God as a woman, you know, that whole thing. <clears throat> I never tried. I just never tried. In fact, the only thing I did was give her my music and my book. And my book talks a lot about our relationship that was really rough for years. We we're close in age. And, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with like, I, I did desire to be close to my sister. 
Um, but I was the annoying young sister who mm. looked after her and she's like, I have my own life to live. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and at that time I'm younger. I don't understand that. I just, I was so annoying because I just wanted to be around her all the time that I think what I found in other women that were, that I respected, I wanted their attention. Mm. And, and so I, I, to me, I have had to understand how I ended up, you know, in heteros or homosexual relationships. And I had to go back to that and think, you know, okay, there were things that I desired and I just looked, you know, for it elsewhere. But, um, but she, I, I watched her have to slow down the last year and a half and, you know, she walked away from, from the Lord, but he was right there always. And, but what he did, what I saw him do is he did, he, he made himself very, very well known to her in a dream. And mm. she just dreamt that she had a very, very dark, not dark as in like spiritually dark, but it was dark. She couldn't see anything. A man was carrying her up a hill and she wouldn't even know anything about a hill, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and she didn't care. He was sweaty and bloody and she did not care. She was just clinging to him and she could smell sweat in her dream mm. and told her therapist she, she couldn't get over it she smelled his sweat in her dream and she he turned around and it was jesus and she woke up and mm. the day she gave her heart to him and it just softened her and i i think what was beautiful is i witnessed her spiritual side this last year and a half um mm. Ever witnessed somebody's spiritual side in that level um, to see that she couldn't do anything. She couldn't go anywhere. She was bound to her room. Um, and she just held on to this dream. Like that, like he was her comfort. And, you know, it, I'm in awe because he did that so that she can spend eternity with him. Like I, for the first time in my life, I feel like I've seen, I witnessed his purposes. <laughs> And so I think in my heart, you know, I, I feel for someone who is walking in darkness and it's hard because we're in a society now where you have to watch your steps. You have right. to watch your words. You do. Because, and I'm not saying, you know, we're told to, but it's like, nobody wants, it's hard to invite trouble into your life. You know, I'm fresh right. to me. I have a little girl. Like I, you know, I'm not interested in having a fight with somebody about their sexuality. It's like, you do what you want to do that. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> I know you're miserable inside. Like I know you're miserable inside. Um, Cause I remember being very, very dark inside. And I also know a lot of my friends that are homosexual. We have had multiple conversations over the years, very deep, intimate conversations where they'll come out and say that yes, they, they admit there is something else they desire, but what are they going to do? They're in it. Like they're, you know, they're, it's almost like they're married to their partner. They, they're invested. And mm -hmm. I remember being very, very invested in being like, I can't just, how do you just walk away? How do you change your whole life? Like, how do you do that? Um, I believe God gave me an out and he allowed my fiance at the time to have an interest in somebody else. Yeah. I could have fought for it. And I remember thinking, don't fight, don't fight. Like just, let it go. And yeah. it was, it was very, very hard for me because I was in love. I mean, it's no different. I mean, I was in love. So, um, you know, we were companions, we were everything together. So, yeah. um, you know, I, seeing what happened with my sister and 
the importance wasn't for her faith to walk on earth. Like the importance of what he did for her wasn't for her to go out and spread the word. Like, I mean, the which ended up happening. I mean, she had a girl in her cancer group that I met at the wake. And she said, I've never, I wasn't raised with faith. And, you know, your sister started talking to me about Jesus. And I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> Gosh, her daughter, my eight-year-old niece, you know, their husband, uh, they're half Jewish. So my brother-in-law's Jewish. They agreed to raise the kids just sort of universal. Like they can choose when they want. Mm-hmm. So I've always been very cautious and, you know, I bought them Bibles when they were born and, you know, and all that stuff, but I, I was very cautious and I don't have to make a move. Uh, my niece just told my mom yesterday, she wants a book about Jesus. Oh, like, wow. Carry a book. I'm like, wow. Like I, you know, all these years, you know, I think, oh, you know, what, I've done more. And I'm like, I didn't have to. Like he still, you worked with or without me, you know? And, but the whole point was she already lived in darkness in the world. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a chance to walk out this beautiful faith, but the time that she did have left, which was very short, she gave it to her kids. She gave it to my parents. She gave it to other people, but she's with him for eternity. And yeah. so, it, so when I think about, you know, when somebody come, you were mentioning in the beginning of the devotion, about you said um, about just the, the tiniest amount of yeast that um, can do damage and spread. And so I have no, I'll never keep quiet. Like I'm, I'm not out there poking at foreheads, but right. in place, I have no problem to say, you know, well, I was there, but I'm not anymore. And if you want to hear my story, I'd be happy to share it, you know, and um, for people to see the way I used to live, People from my life back then, seeing me now married with a child, they're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> my parents, who I gave them a run for their money. I mean, I really like, devastated our family for years. Um, for them to witness, you know, my transformation and now to see my sister's transformation in such a short amount of time. It's just, and to see them react like, Jesus is, wow, because they're mm. Catholic and it not nothing against Catholicism. It's just more of they, that there's a distance from God. Right. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I found the Lord in Catholicism. So, um, but I just think it's very important to, to still speak the truth yeah. and, and know, find search and pray for God to give you um, like a, a refreshing way like to say it, to express it, not just, you know, sometimes people are like, you need to, you know, you know, hit them with scripture. And I'm like, <clears throat> that's not how I do it. Like I will learn about scripture and then I'm going to teach them from my testimony in scripture. Like I'm yeah. going to join the two together and I'm going to share my heart and my story. And, and that's what I have to pass along. Yeah. So, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the situation of when Jesus was with the uh, woman caught in adultery. He didn't hit her with a bunch of the Old Testament can, to condemn her. He just went, reached down. He acknowledged her as a human being and say, go and sin no more. Right. He didn't condemn her. He didn't guilt her. Right. He called the sin sin. He said, go and sin no more. But 
he gave her the hope to move forward. Yeah. And you know, even in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, um, judgment and I agree with you. Like a lot of my Christian friends are like, you need to, you know, tell that person this and that you got to tell them. And I'm like, tell them what they don't even believe in the Bible. Like, I can't expect, listen, nobody can tell me. And that's my experience. So that's what I go off of. I remember somebody was a close friend of, well, a family friend who was a strong believer. We had a huge argument and I told her, I pray to rocks. I prayed in the trees and she's like, she's like, I can't even have this conversation. If you don't believe, if you don't take the Bible at full face value and you don't believe that's hundred percent true. And I'm like, I don't, she's like, I can't have this conversation with you. And she, I swear, I remember her giving me like devil ears and, but I, I walk. So there's two, two sides to this. I walked away from that being very angry, but deep down, deep down, very upset that this woman that I respected and that I loved and had a, like a, I knew that she loved Jesus, but I still couldn't get there. Yeah. He had something that I wanted that she was so harsh with me. But at the same time, when I came back to the Lord, I, she was the first person I wanted to tell. Yeah. And so a lot of times when people say to me, you know, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know how to respond. I said, well, there's a few different camps really to land in when it comes to, you know, how you minister to people. I mean, this is just my opinion, but um, you can be in the camp where like her, she's not going to sway. She's going to tell the hard truth and she, she's going to offend a lot of people. Um, And that's okay. There are other people like, I'm not going to touch this with a 10 foot pole and I'm just going to pray for them. And then there are other people that are like, I'm just, I'm going to get in the trenches with them. All are good. All are needed. And, you know, so I, I, I I was doing a lot of um, support groups for parent, for parents and family members of um, people in living in an alternative lifestyle. And I would tell them, you know, you have to remember, like, you have to find a camp that works for you and you have to be okay with that. Like there are going to be consequences to all of them. Mm -hmm. So the consequence of me being in the trenches is I get a lot of slack or, or, you know, that's slack. Um, the other one, <laughs> crap from yeah. from a lot of my believer friends that you need to tell them this, and I'm like, I'm gonna just allow the listen. The Holy Spirit worked for me; He's gonna work for them too. So I'm there to assist and to be by their side because I'll tell you right now, I would rather be at the end of the marathon in their life to help them and cheer them on to cross over, like my sister, to cross over and to see them, to witness that, than to shut them off and to never see that. Um, But then, like I said, there are people that have no problem just hitting hard with the truth and walking away. Um, And there's purpose at all, all of them. And then you need those that are praying for you. (laughs) And you have to do what God's called you to do. You can't imitate somebody else. You can't come in with a sledgehammer like somebody else unless God called you to do that. Right. And you don't call somebody to come in with a sledgehammer. And I, I, I'm okay with that because I believe that there's multiple ways to spread the truth. I really do (laughs) because now some are a little harsh, you know, but, um, then again, it's just, but you were mentioning too about, you know, judging in the church and Mm -hmm. I agree, you know, there is a, um, a higher responsibility to truth in believers. And, um, I, when I see it, I, I mean, it angers me. I'm like, you are not, you are not going to spread this, that the church is this way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not true. You know, so there's a big difference. I agree. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, th- uh, Carrie, Car- thank you so much for, for sharing so deeply and, um, so being so vulnerable. Uh, I love your story. I love the fact that, that you're real. And, uh, and I think anybody that would pick up your book, uh, would be blessed to hear it because yeah, you you struggled in these areas, but I think that, um, there's a commonality with any struggle, any sin that you're, any lie that you've bought, um, that, uh, hearing your story is going to bless them and encourage them in that way. Um, before we get to our final two segments, which are more fun, I wanted to give you the four for just a, a couple moments. And if somebody is struggling with their identity, like you were, um, and frankly, this month is one of the, is a time where that identity gets even more confused because everybody cheer, cheers it on and cheers people to their eternal death. But who would, what would you say to somebody that is, that just happened to tune in and hear this message? What's some encouragement or advice that you would give them? Uh, two things. One, I would say, um, if you like you alone in your own heart and your own mind, know if you are a hundred percent sold that you are who you say you are fine. But if there's like a percentage, uh, even a half of a percentage that you question, if you're unsure, I just want to encourage you to give God a chance to show you something else. Um, There's no harm in it. There's just, it's just, I mean, seeking out another version of truth that is actually is filled with love. Um, and it has nothing to do with sexuality. It has to do just with your heart and your own identity as a human being, just as a person, as a spirit. The other thing I would say is if you end up finding yourself seeking out the Lord and you feel like you are walking away from what you know, and you feel like it's lonely. I remember when I was working at the radio station and it was a day that they, um, it was passed for gay marriage and I was on the radio and, um, and I saw everybody posting on Facebook and Instagram or where, yay, you know, all my friends that I knew, you know, changing their, you know, to the, to the pride flag. And I had a hard time. I thought I, I did. I had a moment where I felt really lonely and I thought, you know, I, um, did I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so opposite from this, but I feel like I'm alone in it. And um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was wrong. And I looked into scripture and of course I can't remember where it is. It's in my book though. <laughs> it is not a plug. It's just, it is in my book where I, I looked over, I, I opened up the Bible. I went, it's, it's in Psalms and I actually put my name in place and, you know, God was speaking to me saying like, you know, don't, listen to what the world is saying. You know, it's all lies. Like this is, and I felt like I was in my own little corner and I just waving my little flag. So mm-hmm. like everyone's waving their flag of freedom. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like I thought this was freedom, you know, and God showed me in a very quiet place. Like this is freedom and it's for you to understand. And I freed your heart and your spirit. And um, it's okay if you're in a little corner because I got you. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that um, although it looks like freedom, I just want you to think about the times in your life where you feel like you spiritually don't feel free um, to, you know, have compassion and love and understanding. I'm not even talking to other people. I'm talking with the Lord um, and even the Lord's people. So um, who just want to love. So 
That's what I would say. That's a good word. That's very good. All right. So we'll move on to the, uh, uh, the, the fun part um, uh, of the show. Fun for you. (laughs) This is the interrogation of seven random questions that otherwise wouldn't have fit in our conversations. Here we go. So question number one, uh, what makes you laugh? Uh, Right now, actually my two-year-old daughter (laughs) who is a stage five clinger and um, who uh, she just does the funniest things. And I just never thought I would find humor in a child like this ever, 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 ever. Um, She makes me laugh. (laughs) All right. Uh, Question number two, uh, with whom do you most identify in scripture? Oh gosh. Um, uh, um, the woman that, um, washed Jesus's feet, Mm. the one that, you know, when she was, um, yeah, I, I just remember like, I didn't, like when I realized, like I didn't care about anything else. Like she didn't care. She didn't care what anybody was saying. She just knew who he was, and she just wanted to be at his feet. And that's who I identify the most with. Wow, that's a good one. Question number three: uh, Who's your favorite superhero, and why? Okay, so I was never into superheroes until my husband introduced me to everything and anything from Star Wars to uh, Mission Impossible to um what is it called um marvel marvel thank you watched all of them fell in love with all of them and i have to say captain america and why because i love that he was a scrawny little guy and um and he was still used for really great things And he cool. kept pushing and pushing and trying and trying and faking it and faking it until he made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number four. Uh, what memory would you most like to relive? Now, this could be a, a good memory that you want to live over again, or this could be something you want to go back and do over. Oh, um, I would like to relive... Um, last year. Actually, you know, it was one of the hardest years of my life. I moved away, you know, well, I was, you know, everything stopped for me in my, you know, ministry and, and everything. And I was home and um, I'm not a homebody. I've always been just a, you know, social butterfly and yeah. um, learning how to go from uh, selfish, independent individual to being a selfless mom and putting everything first for somebody else. Truly. I don't even have an option. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, I, the option is horrible, but I mean, I would never do that. But like I had to learn, I mean, I had, it didn't matter. I just like, I had to suffer through it. And I wish that plus also I, I do have to speak to this. I was suffering from postpartum depression. I did go on medication and I'm glad I did. I don't regret that. But what I would like to relive would be, um, not being such a crybaby about, letting go of the things that I wanted, because I have to say when my sister passed away, things changed, mm-hmm. you know, I realized like what's really, really important. Um, and that God, um, is never done with me and he's writing my story. And so I just wish that I would have given, 
I would have experienced a little bit more joy last year. Question number five is uh, how do you recharge? Oh, um, by getting in my car by myself and going to a (laughs) grocery shopping. (laughs) Currently at this stage of my life where I'm alone in my car, I can listen to worship music. I can talk to God. Um, Yeah, I recharge by going on drives. I also live in a really beautiful area. It's very, it's, it's, you know, it's alive and there's people, it's not like full country, but it's, it's out there and it's just, it's really, really beautiful. And I've never, I'm a city girl. So these drives with the sunsets and the sunrises are just really, really beautiful. And I live near a lake. So yeah, taking a drive. Right. So the next question, number six, is uh, what has been your proudest moment? Oh, um, my proudest moment. I was so proud um, when I had Anna, my daughter. Now, I, there's multiple other proud moments. Like the first time I spoke, it was like a thousand people or something like that. And I spoke wow. testimony. And it was like, that was a really proud moment to know, you know, this is, it's not about like a, a pat on my back. It was just more of thank you for using, like trusting me with this, you know? Um, but you know, what trumped that was having, having a child, something I never thought I would. And, and knowing that that's also part of my story, you know, that mm-hmm. it's just like God really redeemed, he redeemed a lot and I'm grateful for it. That's awesome. Uh, and final question, if God gave you the option what would you want to do for a living? Uh, would you go back to music? Would you do writing or speaking or a combination? Speaking. I Yeah, speaking. If I had the option, I would um, speak for a living and awesome. sing, you know, do exactly what I wanted to do, you know, um, lead worship and, and speak all for the sake of um, leading worship to prepare hearts to hear a message about true redemption. Mm. All right. We made it through the hard part through the interrogation. Uh, So our final question we always ask is for anyone that wants to use their gifts, their talents, their passions, or even their experiences uh, for God's glory, what would your wise counsel be? Well, obviously to do it. And I'm sure people hear that from them all the time, but um, you know, it's hard to look past insecurities. So I would encourage people to, um, focus on their insecurities and um, sort of write them out, you know, like write down what, what my insecurity is here. Why am I so insecure with doing this? Um, you know, I was insecure with writing because I didn't feel like I was smart enough to use the right words. And um, you know, and I got show me about, um, you know, Moses and Aaron and how, you know, he, you know, still used them, you know, and um, or even I, when I was asked to go on, to go on radio, I was a nervous wreck. Cause I'm like, I say the wrong words all the time. I use words that have the wrong definition. And so all of it was exposed on the radio, like live, <laughs> the mistakes that I made, but it didn't matter because ministry was still being had. So um, I would say to like a lot of times people say, Oh, just look past your insecurities. I actually say, take a look at your insecurities and just see how strong they are. And, um, and if you ha- and if you can't walk through them alone, definitely 
get a Christian counselor to help you walk through your insecurities, to clear that out so that you can um, start using your gifts. Cause everybody has them. Everybody has a gift to do something. And so, um, you know, and look at, I, like I said, I moved away. I've been in a depression. Um, you know, my sister passed away and I'm like, oh, I need to just, I need to find a church here. And I remember God saying, just, just say yes, just say yes. So I went, I don't want to talk to anybody. This is recently, a couple weeks ago. I don't want to talk to anybody. Of course, a woman sits next to me. She was like a welcomer. And um, she gets my name. She introduced me to somebody else. I go to this mom's group the next day. I meet more moms. And now I, I have a friend. And so I found that, you know, um, if you're in a place of being lonely, just say yes to whatever comes next and see yeah. where it takes you. It's a good word. Well, Carrie, I thank you again so much for being on the show. Um, thank you. Uh, it was fun. It's great to hear your story and um, to see God's redemptive power, that nobody is too far from God to be redeemed, to be used, and to make a difference. So uh, okay. thank you for sharing and for being vulnerable. Um, anybody that uh, wants to uh, help support, again, the book is available through, uh, if you're reaching out through, uh, to Carrie through her website, uh, CarrieCardinale.com. Uh, it's in the show notes. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon, but uh, the higher profits will help support her and the and the uh, young baby. So we want to help the babies. Uh, so uh, <laughs> grab a book, uh, go to SoundCloud and find her on there, uh, buy her music. And uh, uh, Carrie, uh, thank you again. Uh, and uh, you know, praise God for your story. It's an awesome uh, story of redemption. I, I, I thank you. Thank you so much. So we will see you guys next Monday night right here on uh, Facebook and YouTube or on the Creative Motion Network. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.